Hey friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey y'all, welcome to the Happy Hour. I am your host, Jamie. We have a great show today, and I want to have a little full disclosure here. This was my very first interview that I did since coming back from sabbatical. So I had not done an interview since, I don't know, the beginning of May. I was a little bit nervous, but thank goodness the guest I have on today, she was so much fun. Okay, so today's show is with Kirsten Watson. Uh, Kirsten's author of a brand new book, which came out in May, called Sis, Take a Breath. And the way she's coming at this is because, listen, y'all, she knows that life is hard uh, and life is busy and life is full. She's a mom to seven. She is married to a recently retired NFL player, Benjamin Watson. In fact, they just had a 17-year anniversary. Congrats, congrats. This conversation that we had today is what I love about hosting this podcast, The Happy Hour. It is serious. It is fun. It is me asking her silly questions about what it's like to be married to a football player. Yes, you guys, I did that. I asked all the questions. I was so curious at the end, and she was so kind to play along with my silly game. Um, But we had a great conversation. We talked about, you know, what we strive for in life and why that matters and what it looks like. How do we find our identity in Christ? She talks about truly having to just take in and breathe in God's word and how when we do that, it creates this peace within us and this practice of taking every single thought captive for him. And I ask her about their marriage. How do her and Benjamin make it work practically with the life that they have? Before we get to the show, I want to ask you, did you hear the podcast that launched on Monday called Launch? Yes, I created a podcast with my friend Lisa Whittle, and it's all about launching children into the world. Whether you're launching a kid into kindergarten this year, you're launching a kid to middle school, high school, college, whatever it might be, we wanted to talk about it. And my favorite thing about this show is you have two moms who are coming to the table going, hey, we're moms here. We are not experts, but we're in the middle of raising kids. We've raised some kids. Um, We're honest about the hardships. We're honest about the failures. We're honest about the successes. And we're just going, hey, we're all in this together. Let's try real hard to launch kids into the world that love Jesus. So we bring our personal thoughts and opinions and ideas. But the best part is, you guys, we got an expert. We bring people who uh, really, really dive into the topics that we're tackling in this season. And so the first episode launched on Monday. I really hope you'll check it out. Uh, Go subscribe, uh, give it a listen, leave a comment, leave us some love over on the podcast app. We'd love a review and a rating. You know, that really helps people find the show. And we just really believe that this podcast is going to be a breath of fresh air, a help really to people saying, hey, we're in this with you. And listen, if there's anything I want right now, it's people who are in it with me. So that's what we want this to be for you. So go check out Launch. It launched this past Monday. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, you guys, you're going to enjoy Kirsten as much as I did. Um, So sit back, relax. Here is my conversation with Kirsten Watson. Kirsten, welcome to the happy hour. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Well, I'm excited to have you as well. I think I've been trying to have you on for a while. We have mutual friends and summer and life. And here it is, the end of August, and you are on the happy hour. So grateful for you to be here. 
Thank you for having me. Okay, so I would love for you to introduce yourself um, to my audience. And I'm not going to react the way everyone else reacts when you tell us how many children you have, because you know what? It's not that big of a deal. Okay. It's so not. It's, it's not, not that big, big of a deal. I mean, it's just seven. It's, it's one just seven <laughs> every day of the week. That's how they speak. Everyone has a day that's a uh -huh. sign. Um, so, yeah, so I've been married for 17 years and we have seven kids and we are post NFL career life and trying to finally dig some deep roots somewhere and we're landed in Georgia. So here we are. And um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the seven kids and the married part takes up a lot of my time, but uh, I have some time to do some other things as well, but they're not as exciting as the seven kids for sure. How old is the oldest and how young is the youngest? Yes. Yeah, so our oldest is 13. So she's going into eighth grade. So mm -hmm. we have and then our youngest, our twins, see, I was going for an even number at five because I'm I'm an even number kind of girl. And um, the Lord was like, nope, not happening. And we had identical twin boys that are three. So there's a 10-year span between all of our people. Listen, 10 years to have seven babies. <laughs> that is your full-time job is what you've been doing. <laughs> you know, and it, they're all in different states for, for kind of sort of. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, interesting. It's a lot of fun and it is very tiring at the same time. Listen, this past summer, uh, my listeners know I traveled quite a bit. And every time we would go anywhere in the airport, I mean, I'm in charge of the passports. Okay. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. I, I even have my husband's, you know, I've just got yeah. all the, I've got the Ziploc bag with the passports <laughs> and I only have four children. Imagine yes. if I had three more passports, which, you know, Yes. I, I personally think, and I would love your opinion on this. Once we got to three, to me, it felt like we could have had 17. Like it was, it, it just, like, I remember when the kids were little and I would tell a girlfriend like, hey, bring your kids over. She'd have like three kids and she goes, I can't bring like my kids over. You have four kids. I'm like, it, it, they're not even noticeable. It's a wash. It's yeah. a wash. Yeah. Well, you know, I think I was really probably super prideful that way with five. Cause I was like, <laughs> let's have another. Come on, like you'll just strap the person on and they'll just go. And then we had twins, and I realized there are people out there that have multiples that have had these for years before me, and I didn't pray for you. And I am so <laughs> sorry. And so I feel like my pride was like shaken um, having two. And so now I think differently a little bit. Like you, oh, you have twins, that's different. Mm, I, don't oh. know. I don't know if we could do that. But yes, it, you're right. It, it definitely got to a place where you're just kind of, well, for me, it was all a blur. <laughs> to some extent. Yep. But these twins, girl, mm, it's a whole would new Would you thing. rather have twins at the end of five or at the beginning? We would have two kids if I had them at the beginning. <laughs> uh, it would officially be- It would be Watson party of four. <laughs> we would be a four family thing going on. So it, it's good that the Lord gave us to them, gave us them at the end when we're older. <laughs> I love that so much. My daughter is our last and uh, she's 14. She's lovely. She's awesome. Um, but she came home from Haiti. She, we adopted her when she was like two. Mm -hmm. And she just has this personality that's amazing. I always say like her personality is going to be amazing when she's an adult. When she was a like a child, yeah. I was like, you're not in charge. Like you, you're right. You don't run this place. And right. I always said that God gave us her last so mm -hmm. that we would have all the other children as well. So right. he's, he's I like that. I, I understand that. So, so, so well, he's like that. <laughs> um, well, I'm 
honored to have you on and chat with you. And um, you released a book this past May uh, called Sis, Take a Breath. And um, I've heard you say that this was kind of this project that people just kept kind of pushing you towards and, and saying, hey, you should write a book, you should do this. Uh, I think I just want to start out with asking you, what does Sis, Take a Breath actually mean uh, to you? Like, what, what does that title mean to you? Right. Um, I think it, well, it's kind of a loaded question. And then I still am learning a lot of what I, I wrote um, in the book, but it's really that, you know, life can change quickly. Um, even in one day, it's like you wake up and you're like, yeah, I got this. And then by midday, you're like, what are we doing? And by you know night, I'm like, where did the day go? You know? And so I think the whole idea that I'm this breath that I'm focusing on really is that like, God's in all of it. Like mm. he is in all of it, not just my quiet time, not just the time I'm at church or like he is constantly showing and talking to me and the Holy Spirit is guiding me. But do I invite him into those spaces? So the breath really is not that I want to change how my life goes, but it's like, Lord, okay, just take the pause and say, okay, what are you showing me? Mm. What do I need to learn? Or what, like, how are you speaking to me in this moment before I proceed? So really it's like a pause at like these pauses that I take during the day where I'm inviting God into the space where it's either too much for me or like, I, I mean, I could be, it'd be a good thing. Like I was watching right. the twins play and I'm like, this is sweet to see them playing together and not fighting. And Lord, thank you for that. Like inviting yeah. him into that as well. So the breath really is just the pause to take in the good, take in the bad and, and say, God, thank you. And mm -hmm. show me where, mm -hmm. what I'm supposed to do next. You know, I, I know that a lot of people are listening, I would guess don't aren't parenting seven kids because I would guess that that's not normal here in America, <laughs> uh, Kirsten, but no matter who's listening, everything that you're saying, we can, whether we are a parent, we're a college student, we're a retired right. grandmother, whatever it might be, everyone's feeling that in our days of just like, right. man, it just feels like I can go through the day and not pause, like not take a mm. breath because things will come our way practically. What does that look like for you? And again, your life, although is different than mine, there's gonna be so many similarities. So what does it look like for you to practically pause in, in those moments? Someone's asking like, what is she saying? What is she doing? Like, right. does she leave her kids unattended and go into a closet <laughs> and <laughs> pause? I wish. I know. I wish. And you know, and sometimes it is removing mm. myself when I can, but I do think that um, oftentimes the breath or the the pause comes from sometimes our, our time that's spent with the Lord. Mm. It's, it's either remembering a verse. I mean, literally it's like me driving and hearing, a, hearing a song and being like, I believe that like God, or God, I want to believe mm. that. Um, it's, it's like how it says pray without ceasing. I didn't really understand what that meant. Um, until I got older and I'm like, it's just this continual conversation. Like you're picking up where you left off with the Lord. And it's not like, once I have my, my 10 minutes of quiet time, like mm -hmm. now I do me, you know, it's like, that's how I did my life. It was like, God was like, not my default. Like I was my default in my day. Oh, like, yeah. what can I handle? What can I do? What can I check off the list? And then, oh yeah, before we pray, Lord, thank you for my food. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, it's very fragmented. And so for me, it's just pushing myself to make God my default, like my default consciousness. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't it's, know. Cause I just work in my own power until I can't anymore. And then I'm like, help me Lord. He's like, I've right. been here time. What are you talking about? So it's, it's a constant practice and reminder for myself to say, okay, Kirsten, stop, take a breath, Lord. You know, it's like, it's, but no, and that's not how it's been for the majority of my life. And still mm -hmm. days go by and I'm like, 
what have I been doing? I've been doing yeah. it in my own power. Yeah. It's almost like you're saying there's this intentionality. Like I love how you even said like you hear a song and you're like, yes, God, I want that in mm -hmm. my life. It's that moment of reminding yourself what, mm -hmm. what you want. You talk about like an overflow of spending time in God's word. And, and in your book, you say, when we inhale God's word, we exhale mm -hmm. peace. Yeah. And you know, you're talking about breath and inhaling God's word and exhaling peace. And that just stood out to me because I thought I, everyone wants peace. Like even right. people who, as believers, we want peace for sure. But even people who don't like believe there's a God, they want right. peace in their life. And so right. what does it look like for you in your, in your day to day to really believe like God's word is not just this throw away 10 minute check off a list I got to do, but it actually becomes your breath. It becomes your peace. You know, God's word said yeah. it is our food. What does that mean to you? Yeah. Well, I think it's more, it's a practice. Like when I had littles, um, like it was hard to get that 10 minutes of time just cause I would fall asleep. I mean, I'm be honest. I just would fall asleep <laughs> yep. and so, <laughs> in my father's arms. No, but like, yeah, that's um, right. it was like, I was getting, I said, it's like, I would be like, we would watch veggie tales. And I would say, Lord, you're going to have to speak to me through mm -hmm. Bob and Larry today. Like, let and me, he will know, do it. Watch him do it. Yep. <laughs> Come on now. He will. And he, it was just, it was really like, I, I need you, but I don't have this, like, this, I think we're really good at wanting steps. Like just give me the three things I'm supposed to do and I'll have peace. And I wish I had the magic pill, mm. right. To give you and to sell or whatever. Um, but it really is just wanting more of him. Mm. And you say, however you give it to me, like, I can't read right now. Cause I'm driving and I'm carpooling and I'm like an Uber service, but can you give it to me in something else? And then something else will happen or a conversation will happen in the back of the car or whatever. And it's just like, seeing him in all things. And that takes work. It takes work for me. Um, just because it's not in my, it's not my nature. It's not mm. my nature to, to do that because I, I feel like I'm capable and really I'm not, but it falls short, but I feel like I'm capable of doing a lot. And so practically for me, it's, it's in all the things, like all the things, like my technology, not working, you know, I'm like, okay, Lord. Uh -huh. All right. Yeah. Because I know that you're bigger than that. And I know that I'm fighting against an enemy who probably doesn't want me to say anything. And so I can have, be peaceful and not stress out because it will be okay. Yeah. And that's like the conversation that's happening as things are like being thrown my way. That's yeah. kind of, that's the best way for me to describe it. I love it. I've been reading about um, Jesus when he walked on water and invited Peter to walk mm -hmm. on water with him. And it reminded me and made me go back and look at the story again, just a couple chapters earlier where Jesus is in the boat with the disciples mm -hmm. and there's a storm and they're freaking out. And he's like, why are you little faith? What are you doing? And it's really made me think about how we're not promised like calm circumstances, you right. know, like both those situations were in the midst of a storm and Jesus was there, which right. kind of gives me chills to think about. And Jesus calmed the storm and they were okay. And so I think a lot of times Christians somehow think that we need to have, like we start following Jesus. Well, then everything's going to be good. Like <laughs> there's no storms with Jesus. And I'm like, the disciples were in the boat with Jesus in right. a storm. Right. You know? And so right. can you talk to us a little bit about like, how do we not base our faith in God based on like our circumstances that we're living in, but they've got to be different than that. Right. Well, I think that's where getting the word makes it so like, it just comes alive because you don't like the Christianity that I thought would be like, wait, like when I got saved and through my college years, 
And then when life would happen, I'm like, this is not like, is there something wrong with me? Like, mm. what is going on? But then the more I got in my word, I'm like, oh, this is like when we gear up and we we're like, okay, let's go because we are supposed to be prepared for trials. We're supposed to choose joy when, you know, all these things happen in the Bible and you're like, that was awful. Mm. Um, but you see God's faithfulness. And so I look back over whether it's, you know, all the moves that we had to make or miscarriages or friendships that were broken. And I, I don't look and say, gosh, God, you know, you left me. You, you know, it's like, no, I was learning through all of that. Mm. He was growing me through all of that. He was faithful and sovereign through all of that. And it's not until we go through those things and understand what the Bible has told us mm. to prepare for that we really become, we put on the armor. It's like, why would we put, we're not putting on bathing suits. Like, right. why would he choose armor? Like armor, because we're going, like we're going yeah. into something. Mm-hmm. And so that's that, I mean, it gives me riled up because I'm like, when we don't know what the word says, we're just so unprepared. Yeah. We are so unprepared for, for the life that the short life that we have here um, on this earth. And so, especially as women, like we are, we are equipped differently and um, uniquely. And I think the enemy comes at us specifically. And so if we don't know what God says about us, mm. like if we don't have our identity in him, then um, the kingdom misses out Yeah, because we believe the wrong story. Mm. And so then when trials come and hard things come, we crumble because our foundation, which we think is the Lord, is really not based on anything that is true. Mm. <laughs> Right. So good. Yeah. So I don't know. I just get fired up when I think about it because, um, you know, I say, I got to want to raise weak Christian, weak Christian kids that just think that, you know, I mean, there's a part of God that is so lovely. Mm -hmm. There's a part of him that's telling us like, guys, like we're in battle. Like the world does not want you. It didn't want me. So it's not going to want you. And so how do I prepare myself for that? And how am I preparing the people that are around me for that? And how am I engaging um, other believers to say, no, I need you to do your job because I got to do mine. If we all do this together, um, it load, it lessens the load, right? Mm. Yeah. It makes me think, you know, there was a recent study that just came out. I was talking to a friend about it today. I think Lifeway Research did it and it was a percentage of um, American Christians who believe that they are being persecuted for their faith. And that's a discussion we're not going to have here, but it makes me think about how um, Christian church history, like Christians since the beginning of time, and many of our brothers and sisters around the world are experiencing true persecution for just saying the name of Jesus, for right. having a Bible. Right. And I hear that, and I'm deeply convicted, you know, mm-hmm. of the ease that I have mm-hmm. to be a Christian in America. Mm-hmm. But when you talk about this, like we're in a battle, that doesn't lessen that by any means. But it also makes me think, like. Would I be who I am and talk about Jesus and love his love him as much if I was in an underground church in the Middle right. East? It makes right. I hope the answer is yes. But Kirsten, sometimes I go, would I? Right. Because I love my air condition at church, right? Yeah. And you go on a mission trip and these people are walking to spend time and to praise the Lord. And they are there and they are singing and praising. And I've been there and I'm like, I am like in tears, like, but I need a set. Right. Right. Like, it's yes. gotta have like the harmony. And, and I'm like, what in the world? And I think those are those, those moments. That's why we are one church. Right. Mm-hmm. And we have to know and understand and be praying for our brothers and sisters because we just, it may be us next. We don't know. And I think that's, that's another thing. I mean, 
we just don't know. And yeah. when we thank God for our lives and being living in this era and this area of the world, mm-hmm. I tell my kids all the time, like we could have been anywhere. Yeah. So the fact that we're here means that we need to be doing something, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be praying for our brothers and sisters. We need to be visiting and supporting um, because it is a real thing. And I, I am like you, girl. I'm like, I don't know mm-hmm. if they were going to do something to my kid. Would I still or renounce right. whatever? Right. Would I st- be able to sit and watch? And Lord, I, I hope I'm never in that situation. But Lord, what I am in, mm-hmm. like, help me to do that well yeah. um, and help. I just say, I just want you to see it and say, I, well done. Kirsten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's the focus because we really are not promised. Um tomorrow. Yeah. And so, you know, it's just, it's all of those things. And then when you read, it's just like when you read and you have that, like in your gut, like mm, that feeling you read and you're like, oh yeah, these people were ready to die for the name of Jesus. And it's like, yeah, Lord. Okay. Okay. And you know, so you just, I don't know, I get revved up. Like, I'm like, okay, here we Me go. Too. Um, Me and, too. and exciting. Right. And so that's why it's important for us to be in community yeah. It's one thing for me to get like that in my own, you know, living room. Yeah. But then I get with other women who are reading the same thing as me and we're all together. I'm like, yeah, we're going to be different. And how are we going to do that? And we're going to hold each other accountable. And we're going to, yeah. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, whatever. And that is how I think th- that keeps us on our knees and in our Bibles. Mm, I love it. And I think you mentioned like one church and one body. And that's why I think so much we need to be reminded of what's going on with the global church. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, here in North America is not everything that's happening with Christianity. It's like a nothing, you know, we've been here for you know, like a drop compared to, you know, Christianity around the world and just being willing to like, not only know, but also pray and also support. And I love supporting mm-hmm. organizations who are building churches around the world and, and doing things sure. like that. You know, you talked about identity and, um, I think that's something that is just really hard right now. Um, we'll speak to women because you and I are both women. We know them best uh, for a lot of women because we feel such conflicting ideas. Like people are telling us we should be this or, or we should be that. And I know part of your story is, you know, graduate from college, you're heading into the workforce. You're like, I'm going to be this like working workforce woman. And you're, you have been. I think you call yourself the CEO of your house. Like, you know, like you are running the Watson household. Um, how was that identity shift for you as saying, you know, I'm going to walk in where I think God has called me, even though I would have never thought this when I was in college and it wasn't even on your radar. How have you, I, and I don't want to say how have you accepted it because that's not, that doesn't feel right to me. What feels right is like, how have you and I'm assuming that you have, how have you joyfully walked into what God had put before you when it wasn't your plan? Um, it took a long time, if I'm honest. That's, um, encur- that's encouraging to us, it, though. It yeah. took a long time, and I still feel moments. I mean, I do remember, and you know, it didn't help that I was married to someone who was in the limelight. And I'm like, wait a minute, I went to school, you know, whatever. And it's just like, <laughs> then God put, I, I felt like I was put in a position where I was always fighting it and mm. wanting to like justify you know, my talents. And I'm like, Lord, why would, why am I here? Like of all mm-hmm. the people you could put me with, like, this is really the person. And I will say I did, I have a very encouraging husband who has always made sure that, you know, my voice is heard. Um, I mean, I, the reason why I wrote the book mainly was because of him. And um, I think it was, we had done like our fourth or fifth move. We had five kids and I was like washing dishes and he left again for training camp. And I was like, I have a degree. Like I can speak another language and I am singing wheels on the bus 
24 seven. Like surely I am. And, and he's not even here. <laughs> he's not even here. I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I think it, it might've been the veggie tales <laughs> seriously. And it was the, the David and Goliath one. Uh-huh. And somehow that hit me different. I just started crying in the car and it was like, David was just a shepherd, mm. like just a shepherd. Like his brothers were doing what would be looked at as like the important work on the front lines for the army. And he was not, he was just, you know, fighting off bear and keeping the sheep together. But that was so important to prepare Mm. him for what God had for him. And I'm not saying that I'm David and I'm not saying that I knocked down a Goliath, but it was at that moment that I realized like, like what I'm doing and where God has called me right now, even though I might see myself somewhere else, like, Lord, let me do what I'm called to do well. Like the best of my ability, because I know whatever I'm learning here, like it's going to be used. You don't waste things, right? You're not a waster. And so it was a mind shift, honestly, of I have to do this till I get to do this. Mm. And so that took a long time, a lot of swallowing. I mean, pride, you know, arrogance, thinking, whatever. And so I, it just took a long time. And so now I look at where I am and I'm like, if I would have done some of the things that I wanted to do then and tried to be in some other people's lanes that I thought I, like it would have never worked out like it is now. Like yeah. it's like, you know, like God tells us to be patient and to wait. And he tells us like what somebody, what he has for somebody else is not necessarily for you, even though you may want it. And so he's like, be grateful for what I give you. Mm. Be grateful. And I like, Lord, every day I'm like, I hear my, my loaves and my fish. This is all I got. I'm going to need you to make a miracle and multiply it because this is it. This Mm -hmm. is it. And so that is that shift in understanding that God uses people in all aspects, in every area, what we would consider high and what we would consider low. And it's like, you can use me. And so whatever you're giving me to to be used, like, let me do that well. And that's just been, I mean, that's why the, the subtitle of the book for those women who want to live and love well. Um, because that's, I, that's my ultimate desire is to do yeah. what he tells me to do mm-hmm. and, um, to do it to my, the best of my ability. And so it's really a mind shift. And, um, it's kind of like, as you get older, you get wiser supposedly. And so yeah. I'm hoping that I'm seeing the wisdom and, um, not staying in what I wanted, mm-hmm. um, and being able to step out of that and be like, no, God, what do you want for me? You know, in case anyone is listening, doesn't know your husband played in the NFL for 16 years. Benjamin mm-hmm. Watson. And so you and him have done amazing work in your communities that you've lived in. You do amazing work in the pro-life space. I know you guys love IJM, which our mutual mm-hmm. friend works there. Mm-hmm. And just a, a really, really a lot of things. And, and, I, and I wrote down something that you wrote in your book and you said, for the majority of my time, I'm serving my family behind the scenes doing rather ordinary and unglamorous task. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like what we just talked about. And I don't know if you've read this book by Tish Harrison Warren. It's called Prayer in the Night. My mm-hmm. favorite book I read last year. So if anyone's listening, you've heard me talk about it a million times, but you should read it. But she has this um, this section in there, and I, I couldn't find it this morning when I was looking for it, but it's about the ordinary. And she talks about for the life of our Savior, Jesus, we see like the very beginning, you know, his birth, and we see 12, and then he shows up at like 30, 30 or 30? Am I, am 30. I 30, yeah. <laughs> so we look at his life, and he had all of these ordinary years. Right where he was working with his dad, he was doing what he did. He was just being a 25 year old 
well, he's God, so but a 25-year-old man, but we don't see any of this. And that right. was so encouraging for me when I read that because I thought, God, you are in the ordinary, like you're in those everyday things. And it made me think about that when you were talking there of just like, there are these like glamorous things that, that, that you do that would be glamorous in the world standpoint, but you're doing what God asked you to do day in and day out. And and I appreciate your honesty of like, you know, I'm still learning and it's been hard and and, and yeah. all the things that go with it. But when you think about that, and there's so many kids, I don't know how your daughter, like what she is exposed to, but there's so many teenagers that long for the spotlight. They're longing mm -hmm. for the glamorous life. And um, you have this unique perspective because of your husband being in the NFL and because of the work that you guys get to do. And also because you pour, you're pouring your life into your seven kids right now. What is like, what do you think it is these days with this yearning for this spotlight and glamorous life that so many young people are, are looking for these days? Um, hmm, I think it's a few things, but I think ultimately it's the thing that we all desire is to really be seen mm -hmm. and really be heard. And so I think, you know, by any means necessary to be seen and to be heard and to be understood and for people to listen and want to mm. follow and you have something important to say. It's all of the things that the enemy tells us that we're not um, because we are seen and we are heard. Um, and, and the enemy has just used those lies and mm. found another outlet for you to get your yeses from rather than going to the Lord. That's how I see it. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, yeah, all of the questions that we ask, I mean, social media can provide them very quickly. Um, and unfortunately, it can tell you that you're not liked right. very easily, um, or you're not pretty, or you're not fill in the blank. And so I think the the yearn for young people with the social media is the enemy has just found a very old trick um, and a new vehicle to um, help us try to get the answers to the questions that we have about ourselves that goes mm -hmm. back to identity. And so when we're able to answer those with the truth and who God is and what God did for us, I think it doesn't make it easier, but it helps us to like um, acknowledge it quicker. Yeah, so if yeah. I'm feeling some type of way about how I'm looking, you know, like, I don't really think social media is the greatest place for me to go if I'm having these doubts. And then I, you know, I get off and I'm like, well, dang, yeah, maybe I do need that <laughs> lipstick. Maybe those eyelashes are going to be great uh -huh. or whatever. And I'm, and then I, so I see it and I see here, I feel it in my spirit and I'm like, whoa, hold on. First of all, those eyelashes are $79.99. You do not need them, you know, whatever. And then it's like, that's not do, it's not going to do it. It's not yeah. the, it's not, it's the quick fix, but it's not the right fix. Mm. And so you just have to check the people that are around you, check what you're reading, check what you're watching. And I say it to my girls all the time. I'm like a like by someone you don't know fails in, in comparison to the God who loves you. Yeah. And the one that died for you. Um, so yeah, I just think, I think we're all subject to it. Oh yeah. But you know, we like our kids, we see it in our kids and it scares us, but then we know we are dealing with the same things. I love that. We see it in our kids and it scares us, scares us. And yet we're dealing with the exact same thing. And I, mm -hmm. and I think about that all the time. I'm like, man, it's hard for me some days. And I've got 44 years of life following right. Jesus for 21 or right. 22 more maturity under my belt. I cannot imagine walking mm -hmm. this road mm -mm. with these phones in our hands mm -hmm. as a 15 year old girl. No I, I cannot even fathom it. 
No way. Um, and I think what you said is so true. I think it's Dr. Thompson who says like everyone comes into the world looking for someone to love them and they want to be like known, seen and cared for. Mm -hmm. And people think they can find that mm -hmm. through people they don't even know. Right. And I we mean, think it sometimes. Right. Yeah. I mean, we think it, I mean, I love my husband, but I feel like he should do some of that. I'm like, whoa, whoa, girl. Hola, hola, yeah. hola. Like, you know, like he comes with his own stuff. And so we have, we have a tendency to want other humans to do that for us. And we, it always just falls short. I mean, yeah. maybe for a little bit, it doesn't, but it always falls short. And so I, I just, even between the two of us, we're like, God, then each other, then mm -hmm. the kids, there's mm -hmm. order there. Why? Because when it gets out of order, it's, scary it's a scary yeah. place to be when you're a scary you know, place yeah so it's just keep things in order and then you know all things will fall into place that is so true okay let's talk about keeping things in order real quick um okay. with your, and then i'm gonna try to only ask you like three <laughs> questions that i have about football and you okay. being married to a football player because you don't know this about me but i love football i love, I love college it. football the most and so uh -huh. um i have season tickets to the university of texas like i just i love football oh. I'm oh, always yeah. curious. I'm always curious. I got you. Uh, you got me. You got me. Um, so you said you've been married for 16 years. Um, 17. And 17. Congratulations. Yeah, this happened. Um, <laughs> and uh, I think that for us to say that, like, oh, marriage, you've had unique situations because you were married to um, someone who was playing professional football. We can say that. But honestly, here's where I've landed after being married for 21 years. Every single marriage has unique circumstances. There is not a marriage that you're like, oh, it's different for you guys. No. Yeah. It yeah. is all hard. It is all takes work. It is all the priorities, all the things. And so in your unique situation is you are married to a professional athlete and you have seven children. So I think those are both kind of unique for you guys. But what does it look like for you? I love how you said like God first and then your marriage and then your kids. And my husband Aaron and I follow that same um, order. What does it look like for you to fight for your marriage in a world that says, uh, if it's not working, like, you know, it, it, it's not that big of a deal. And I know your faith and stuff, but practically, what does it look like for you to fight for that? Practically speaking, okay, so we're both reading the Bible in a year. Okay. So we do the same plan. So we're reading that together. So we don't like read, I and mean, we'd be so cute if we were like reading it together at the same time. We don't do that. But or if you read it out loud to you I in mean, the morning over your sitting, coffee. Oh, sitting next to each other. I mean, holding hands. I mean, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what we do. That's how we keep it going. Right, no, right. we don't do that. But we do, since we are reading, like, it'll be like dinner time or whenever. And we'll be like, did you read yet? And he'll be like, yeah. I was like, did you hear? Did you see where it said that? And so yeah. we're like preaching across all the chaos. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love that. We learn. so that's one. I think that's, it's been, a, we've been, this is our second year doing it. I mean, we've, mm. again, 17 years is our second year only yeah. doing it. And that's been really cool. Um, another thing is we have got, I have got to get away with this man. Like we have got to go out to eat. I love to eat. I think about eating <laughs> all the time. And when we have a date night, I'm like thinking about what I'm going to wear. I'm, I've already looked at the menu. And for me, just to be able to sit and look and talk and like cut my own food, like these are things that I have to do in life. And then I have to get away with him for more than a night, like, or at least a night. Mm -hmm. But so it's like, it's planning those times where I get to pull away and be Kirsten, mm -hmm. like Kirsten. And we, you know, the one that you really liked in the beginning and yeah. we fell in love with each other, you know, like that girl, like that girl's got to come out. Mm -hmm. And, um, I feel like that's what I have to fight for because it's hard to find somebody to babysit seven children, <laughs> um, and moving all the time. So I feel like that's something that we have fought for. It's time away. It's reading together. Um, 
We've done a merit. We do a marriage conference once a year. Um, it's just getting away and talking about all the hard things. So we are, I am very intentional about bringing up all the subjects. Mm -hmm. I think we just talked that we just had an anniversary. So we're talking about how did our dating look? How did our sex life look? How did our talk, like, how do we deal with arguments? What can, I mean, like, I like to lay it all on the table mm -hmm. and I'm married to a person who doesn't really like to talk a lot. <laughs> so you got to pull it out of him. Yeah. I mean, he, over the years he gets it. So it's, yeah. it's a lot easier now, but um, I feel like that's how I fight because I don't, if I don't know what I'm fighting for, it's hard for me to fight with the blindfold on. Like, I love you. You love me. But it's like, am I fighting for us to argue less or am I fighting for us not to argue less, but like, to not have so many days that we don't talk afterwards. Yeah. Like, how yeah. do we solve that quicker? Uh, am I fighting for our sex life? Am I fighting this every year? It's different. Yeah. Um, but it's really having honest conversations about it and then getting on the same page so that we're fighting together. Mm. Right. Um, so that's been, that's been practically how we've done it every year and it changes. Uh, but it's just necessary to get away, you know, like just, Sometime together. I'm like you. I'm like, I need something on the calendar. I just booked a getaway for Aaron and I for his birthday in November. And so it's like, oh, so oh you know, yes. uh, there it I is. I can make it. We're I going to West Texas. Yes, we got it. Um, and we're in different stage of life than you guys. Our youngest um, is 14 and our oldest is 18. So we're like a step ahead. And yeah. I'll tell you, it's funny, Kirsten, um, Aaron and I both had sabbaticals this summer. So we were both not working. His is about eight to nine weeks. No, his is like 12 weeks. Mine was seven. Okay. Mm -hmm. So we spent four of those out of the country with a whole family. Yeah. And then Aaron and I had two weeks at home. Like mm. none, neither one of us working. For two of those weeks, one of our daughter, one of our kids was gone. And for one of the weeks, almost all of our kids were gone. We oh. don't count the 18 year old. He's got a girlfriend. We hardly saw him. Yeah, so there yeah. was this week. Oh, girl. Where we were just home and we oh. were binging um, a TV show. And I looked at him at the end of those two weeks. We were on a walk because we did walk. I mean, we were like an old retired couple. I mean, I literally. It. We would wake it. up in the morning. What do you want for breakfast? And then we would just, what do you want for lunch? And I told him, I told him one day at the end, I said, you know what? I think I have some good news for us. I think we're going to make it when we're, when we're older because I'm not tired of you. We've been together every single day for mm -hmm. seven weeks. <laughs> now, I was really happy to get back to work because I love my job, but yeah. it was just kind of like, oh, look at us. And we've had our, we've, and I've spoken about publicly, we've had our hard times and all the things, but it is just a really good feeling to look at the person across the table and be like, I like you. I like you. I like you. Yes. It's so different because you have to love them. Exactly right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel the same way about my kids sometimes. I'm like, hey. I don't know if I like you today. I love oh, no, you. That's right. I love you always, but always. the like is on the low. It's on low. Right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, that's so good. I cannot wait into that time. Oh, that's, mm, I can't wait. I hate Let's to go. tell you, you have a while, but you know what? It'll come. It'll come. Um, yes. But I do appreciate the conversation about fighting for your marriage. I think that's important. And I think that I had a, a naivety about that as a, as a newlywed of just thinking, I, he's so fun. I love this guy. This is going to mm -hmm. be easy. And by God's grace, our first 10 years were a breeze, so easy. Um, but I wish I would have understood a little bit more about the fight for, you know, like, what am I mm -hmm. fighting for in this marriage? And yeah. even if things are great, there's still stuff to fight for, you know, for sure. and I for just sure. want to be someone who fights for it. So thank you for saying that. I agree. And for other people's, right? I yeah. think like what I'm seeing now is there's not a space. So as you're not, if you're not communicating, you know, 
openly and honestly mm-hmm. about what's going on in yours. No, very few people are. And then when you come into these groups, these couple groups, you know, it's like masks all over the place yeah. and people are struggling. And so we always said that we wanted our marriage to be our ministry. And how do we do that? That we've got to be somewhat of an open book to what we're going through so that people feel like they can be honest with what's going on. Cause marriage is not easy. Right. I mean, there's easy parts, but yeah. there's it like ebbs and flows. And I think mm-hmm. if we don't have community around our relationships and around our marriages, um, we just feel like people are choosing not to stay and not to fight. And this is too hard when, you know, if we would have had some of these conversations and things early on, it wouldn't be like 10 years mm-hmm. later or five, you know? So anyway, I just say all that to say that, I mean, as a, as a, as a believing couple, I feel like we're also fighting for kingdom marriages mm-hmm. because we need those intact yeah. um, as much as possible. And so sometimes we just don't have a place to go and share how hard it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was another just thing being vulnerable on. with your people yeah. as well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't have these questions written down. I haven't thought about it. Can I ask you a couple of football questions just off the top of, of my head? If I can answer them, I'm probably not the best. Okay. So I have uh, one other friend who husband plays in the NFL. He's there currently. Um, you might know them. Do you know Rachel and Colt McCoy? Yes. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yes. We spent time together at the Browns. Oh, I love them. So, um, Colt, well, they, uh, you know, play here at Texas. Yeah. Yeah. And so then he went to our church and Aaron got to know him and all the things. And so we love them. So I, 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 I sometimes, you know, I, I don't want to like be like personal. It's like asking the questions, but here we go. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. When your husband played in the NFL, 16 years is a long time. Like sure. that's a long time. In the big, tell me how the transition was from the beginning of his career to the end of how often you went to football games. Okay, that stayed the same. Oh, you always went? I always went, even with my kids. That was crazy Sundays because we'd go to church and then we'd leave church and go to the stadium for the game. They have jerseys on with his name and stuff? They did. They you did. You sit in they- regular seats? Um. No. Okay. I was no. like, that's a I, lot. I sat in regular seats when it was just me. Mm-hmm. Um, anytime it was just me. Like if I, like, so night, ga- I, okay. Let me also say like, if it was a day, a day game, they went night games. I found a babysitter. So then I could go and like be dressy and enjoy my life. Okay. Cause when you bring all the people, it is like a no. whole different shebang. Yeah. So yes, I went to all the games from the beginning to the end away games. I never, I was working. so. I didn't really get to get to a lot of away games. It's hard to get back for work on Monday. If you were to go to away games, is that on your dime or is that yeah. on the team's dime? Oh gosh, girl, the team pays for nothing. Unless okay, it's Got Bowl, it. they pay for the Super Bowl trip down there, but everything else, it's okay. all Got it. on you and your tickets. So I'm just saying. Wait, you got to buy your own tickets to the game? Oh girl, yes. Every player gets two tickets. So when Rachel gave us tickets, she had to buy those tickets? Oh, yes, girl. Oh, I shouldn't have said I owe that. her some money. <laughs> no, take it as a gift. Take it as a gift. <laughs> Thank you, gift. Rachel. <laughs> um, okay, another question. I think I know the answer to this, but I'm wondering if it changes the longer you've been in the league. So let me ask this. I know the players do not stay at their home the night before, even at a home game, right? Right. They stay at a hotel. Right. If it's a away game, do you get to stay with your man? No. So if it's an away game, you can stay in the same hotel as them, but they have their own level like of the hotel that has like security. So no one is able to go. And then they have a check it. They have like curfew. Mm -hmm. Like they check in. 
So you can't stay there, but you can stay in another part of the hotel, but they can't stay. They have to stay in their room. Did you ever, try, I mean, to sne- did you ever try to sneak into his room? No, because there's, I told you there's security. On, like, you <laughs> oh, you're not lying. The elevator, there's a guy standing there. Oh, okay. You like, can't think so that Mrs. Watson. Totally, yeah. No, 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 because you want him to get the sleep. I mean, they're about That's to what go, he needs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bust you their don't, heads you don't need a marriage bed. He needs a sleep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What else do I have for you? Were y'all together when he got signed? Yes, we were. But, but you were not we were married. dating. We were dating. Okay. Okay. We were dating. We dated. We started. We started dating at Georgia. We graduated together, sitting next to each other. Aww. And, we, and then I moved and worked for a corporate Home Depot, and I lived out in LA. And he got drafted, and then after that, he proposed. I love it. Okay, I'm gonna be home in bed tonight and have a million more questions. But you Just know what? Call this me. Is- this it's is common. not a football wives podcast. Oh, here's a question. So you said when you went to the games by yourself, do the wives sit together? Well, well, everyone generally is bringing a lot of people. Like, no, you know, that's you true. Your own, so you don't, there, there's a section, there's a family section, uh, which is like safe because sometimes if you want to sit, it depends on the, every, you do not want to be in the general population at those games. If someone knows who you are and what do they right. don't like your husband? Well, that's what I, I would never go and wear, I know wear jerseys. So, so, but if you want to sit close, then you have to get your own ticket. I mean, like you can't sit in the family. The family section generally is not close. It changes yeah. for every team. Okay. Yes. So I would sit by myself and just kind of like be super, don't know, you know, they'll make a big deal. I'm kind of clapping, trying not to scream when he gets the ball. Yes. That, and the, but then I wouldn't bring my kids in the general population because it's no, crazy. no. Last question. Last yeah. question for real. Did your husband ever get hurt on the field when you were at a game? Girl, yes. And so I need you to just tell me like, like what, like what, what do you think? Like that has to be ter- terrible. I mean, I'm a mom and my boys play yeah. football. Oh. None of them have gotten hurt. Yeah. Praise the Lord. But. Um, well, I, I actually never, I will say I don't, the part of the game that I enjoyed, it was always stressful getting to the game because you want to get there a certain time. But then he runs out and they announce his name. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And for after that, the game could be over for me. Like, I don't really want to see the game part. Okay, I just okay. want to see the run out and the run to the locker okay. room to get ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a Sunday night game. I sat low. I was sitting with his dad and his aunt. They were playing Dallas. And we were on the end zone where I was. He goes up to get the ball. He catches the ball in the end zone. Everyone is screaming. But then I see something different in his body and how he got hit. And then he falls to the ground and stays there. Ball rolls out. Everyone goes from yay to like booing him. And I'm, he's not moving. And I'm like, get up, Benjamin. Get up, Benjamin. And people are like, you hear all the chat. Oh, he's faking. All the stuff that you want to punch everybody around you. Oh, I would and want I'm to like, punch somebody. Up, it, it was like your heart literally stops. Um, it, it's an awful feeling. And then when you know, I mean, most of these guys are playing hurt. So when you talk, when you get all the wives together, it's a very different game than sitting with fans in general, because we know that they have broken ribs and this, that, and the other, and they're playing. You're like, every hit could be like terrible. So I generally did not like watching the games. I went to support because I was supposed to do that, but I wanted him to retire like maybe five years before he did. (laughs) Maybe 10. Uh, Have you seen, it's an old movie. Have you seen Jerry Maguire? I have a long time ago. Okay, me a long time ago too. But I remember when, I can't remember the player's name or, or even the actor either, where he gets hurt and he's laying on the ground and yeah. the wife is, that's that's what I was picturing right now. Is yeah. was just Because she was, I think she was saying that like, get up, get up, get yeah. up. That's all you can say. And the worst is if it's an away game 
And then, and when you watch it, you're going to think of this differently. Now, if you're listening, you see someone get hurt and then they go to commercial. So all I think is the player. You're not there. And so you're watching the same thing I am. You're watching it. So you don't know what's wrong. You don't know when he got up. You can't call him at that moment. And it's like, for us, it's like, like every, even if it's not your man, you're like, ready to start crying you like know what that feeling is like you have no you're not there and you're like is somebody there so they can like did he get off the field yet so it's it's a whole different mind i I mean i don't get as many migraines anymore praise the lord praise the lord so who from the team is going to text you in that commercial and let you know hey we're handling it we got him or we're taking him out is like a trainer calling you well they're not well yes the trainer you have a number to somebody a trainer number you have a number uh-huh so if he goes in the back and it's like a concussion thing then the trainer will text you and it's again different for every team like who the person is but it's it's a whole i'm i am so grateful so happy that this is not your sunday that is no longer my sundays i i mean it's just glorious that well you know i don't know well, I am going to get off here and I'm going to Venmo Rachel a little bit of money for uh, the times we've been to games with them. Do not do that. That was only a blessing. It was a blessing. That it was did. a blessing. I know. But wow. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> um, Kirsten, thank you so much. Oh, I need to ask you. I got to ask you before I go. I almost forgot. What are you reading these days? I think I talked about it. So unfortunately, I don't have a lot of time to do like extra reading, if that makes sense, unless I'm doing it through a Bible study and we're all reading together. But right now I'm just in my one year Bible. I love (laughs) it. Where are you right now? I am in Romans and Chronicles and, you know, the Psalms and the Proverbs change, but like, it's it's so good after reading, you know, all the things and then Chronicles like fills in the blank kind Uh of sort of like, I just, I'm like, oh yeah, I wish I would have known that again, you know? So yeah, that's where I am. And Romans is good because Paul is just just dropping the mic all the time. It's so, awesome. We went yeah. to Rome this summer and it just, it just, it just feels something mm-hmm. different when you're like, mm-hmm. th- like this is where people walked that's that great. were following Jesus for the first, it is oh, crazy, crazy, is crazy, so crazy, crazy. I know. That's awesome. Well, Kirsten, I've loved having you on. Um, thank you for, um, <laughs> for answering my dumb football wives questions, but you know that's what? I, as soon as you got on, like she'll, she'll answer. She, she's going to answer them for me. Um, thank you for coming on and thank you for writing your book. Thank you for using your words um, to really lift up women and encourage us and point us to Jesus. So thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for listening to the happy hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is a production of Ivy Media Podcasts. Executive producer, Jamie Ivy. The show is produced by Lindsay Sweeney and edited by Angie Elkins. Art by Jen Jet Barrett. Original music by Matt Graham. And I'm your host, Jamie. Have a happy hour with a friend.